Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is entitled How to Make Room for Everyone to Fully Develop in Your Relationship, originally produced and published by Monica Tanner of the On the Brighter Side podcast. Before we launch into today's episode, we wanted to remind you of Dr. Finlayson Fife's Christmas sale, currently taking place on her website. Dr. Finlayson Fife's exceptional online courses are currently 20% off, plus additional discounts when you buy more than one course. Visit our website at www.finlayson-fife.com to learn more. Welcome, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. My guest today has been on the podcast before, and she is definitely a fan favorite. I'm so excited to have Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife back on the show again to talk about how important it is to make room in your relationship, in your marriage, and in your family for everyone to be able to develop fully and how crucial that is for everybody's happiness. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. I am so excited about our guest today. She is Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, who is an LDS relationship and sexuality coach, as well as a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois. She has a PhD in counseling psychology. Her teaching and coaching focuses on helping individuals and couples achieve greater satisfaction and passion in their emotional and sexual relationships. In addition to consultation with couples and individuals in person and online, she teaches online relationship and sexuality courses designed to foster self and sexual development and create happier relationships and individuals. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, let's start. You've been on the show before, but let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. So I'm married, been married 23 years now and have three children. And I normally live in Illinois. I'm currently in Vermont because I have family here and there is space here and there's less COVID here. So, <laughs> so we've been enjoying the beautiful Vermont fall, which has just been amazing. But yeah, so I just do coaching and counseling and a lot of teaching around how to, what you can do individually even to shape and change your life and your marriage to be happier and more of a source of peace and anchor in your life. So, yeah. yeah, well, I know your courses and teachings have been so popular and helpful to so many, but I've been really excited to have this conversation with you because as a relationship and sexuality coach and counselor, you're also an entrepreneur. And for years, you've not only been juggling the demands of marriage and motherhood and entrepreneurship, but you've also helped so many couples navigate the intricacies of these dynamics in their relationships. So in your professional opinion, have you seen a significant difference in couples where one or both partners is an entrepreneur? And if so, what are some of the hallmarks or challenges that these couples might face? Well, I think one of the challenges is that usually entrepreneurship has higher risk in it than a regular stable job. (laughs) And so oftentimes when one person has an idea or a dream or an endeavor, it is asking the other person, the partner, for a higher level of sacrifice to see if that's a possibility to and so it often means that even if it's one person's vision or 
dream or even endeavor, it's asking a lot of the whole system, including the kids in that system. So I think one of the challenges is to be able to negotiate a reality that is both people kind of understand what they're endeavoring to create, that they both understand that it's going to require a lot and that there isn't necessarily any guarantee that it will work out. (laughs) And so that can be challenging, especially when what is expected, depending on what the endeavor is, can shift or change based on things even starting to go well, then suddenly because the organization hasn't caught up to the growth, for example, it might take more of the family or of the, you know, the main person endeavoring to do it or things could go badly. And so there's more financial strain. And so, you know, it's, it's a worthwhile endeavor usually, but it can stress a system more than the typical kind of predictable vocation. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to tell my personal story a little bit. When I first got married, just after graduating from college, top of my class, I wanted to be the best possible wife and mother and nothing else mattered to me. So we started our family very quickly and I loved being a stay at home mom. But after my second baby was born, I felt like something was missing in my life. And even though I was busy with the kids and household jobs and also doing the accounting and payroll for my husband's business, I wanted something that was just mine, kind of separate from my husband and my kids. So I started a little business making vinyl signs and selling them at local events and farmer's markets. And the process of creating these things helped me develop kind of a whole new part of myself. And one of my favorite concepts that you teach is you talk about this idea of differentiation. Can you talk about this word and how it relates to a partner in a relationship who might be inspired to develop a skill or start a business or anything else that might be kind of on their heart? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the people that are the happiest have two important things in their life. They have a strong sense of belonging to others. Like they have a sense of belonging in a marriage, in their family, in their community. So there's a sense of intimacy or friendship or relationship that's sustaining, but they also belong to their own sense of self. They belong to their development as a person. They belong to their own goals and ambitions and their own integrity, like their own beliefs about what they think is right and wrong in the world. And so sometimes we have given women the idea that they should belong to relationships, like being a good partner, being a good mother. These are the most important things. And that for men, they should belong to their own endeavors and their goals. And, and we see the other as a, as a kind of an add-on. You know, if you female find some things that matter to you and some hobbies, great. And husband, you know, hopefully you have a wife who loves you, but that's not your most important thing. And I think that when it is too, obviously there are phases in life when right? Like you're talking about when raising your children was your primary focus. But if it gets too locked into just a career endeavor or just relationships, it can challenge our sense of happiness and our sense of fulfillment. And so I think that, you know, it beyond creating vinyl signs, more important than that, when I'm not dismissing that, is more this sense of yourself, of what you're able to create, that you're able to do something, that you can sustain yourself, that you can express your creativity in the world, that you can create something. That's a very 
valuable and important part of being a person, belonging to your sense of self, even in the work that I do is around helping people create more passion in their lives and in their relationships. This creative, generative part of ourselves is exceptionally important. When we're just trying to live in a safe way where we take very few risks and so on, that can really undermine our sense of energy and passion and aliveness, which is really fundamental to a rich relationship. So a lot of times we think of this as you belong to one or the other, either you're selfish or selfless, or you're doing things for you, or you're doing things for others, where I think they are much more connected. But the more you do belong to your own creative endeavors and so on, in balance, of course, the more that you can have rich and meaningful relationships and vice versa. Yeah. So I'm glad you use that word balance because we're going to talk about that a lot. But why do you think women especially feel, feel so guilty desiring to develop themselves in this way? Like. I I feel like it's more difficult for a woman to say, I'd like to develop this skill or I'd like to do this. And it throws the system off balance more typically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think for two reasons, I think there's biological reasons and I think there are sociological reasons. So the biological is I think women as a group are generally speaking wired to be more attuned to the needs and desires of others. It's a survival thing for keeping a baby and children alive. So to be highly aware and readily able to map the needs and desires of others is both an asset and a skill, but it can be a liability if it's hard for you to kind of think about what you desire and who you are when you can so readily track what other people want from you. And, you know, that's just a normal part of relationships. People want things from each other. So that's not that anything is necessarily wrong with that, but if you can't also be true to yourself, then it can really create an imbalance that's problematic for your happiness, right? But there's also social reasons, which is, you know, depending on your upbringing and your kind of family culture and maybe religious culture, a lot of people get these ideas that good women put themselves second. Good women will not be selfish and they will attend to the desires and needs of other people. And there is virtue in doing that in balance, right? And of course, that is a hallmark of early motherhood is a kind of sacrifice of self, at least for a period, for the for the survival and benefit of very young children. But I think if we are afraid, you know, I was just talking to a client today who just has been so steeped in that idea that even though she would like to go back to school now that her kids are getting older, it's so counter to her family culture and what her mother thinks she should do that it terrifies her to kind of step into that realm because it goes against this idea of what a woman should be. But she also has a hard time being at peace in her relationship because her husband is out achieving and doing all these things. And she feels sort of jealous and competitive in a way with what he's been able to create. And so she's afraid to go against those sort of social norms for her own benefit and even the benefit of her marriage. How do you think that's troublesome in a relationship when you're kind of trying to come to grips with what to do in a situation like that? Like, how do you know then what to put more weight on? Like, do we develop our sense of self for the sake of our relationship or do we stay in these social norms? Like, how is that like inner space? Yeah, I mean, I would say that anybody who's paying attention is going to recognize that there is a fundamental tension between these two needs. Yeah. You know, our responsibility to others and our responsibility to ourselves. And anybody that just prioritizes one or the other is probably not 
really attending to their impact either on themselves or others. So there is a fundamental tension that's always there. I think what I tend to think about is, is there a fear or a blind spot that makes one's judgment about that kind of out of whack? Right. So for example, in this case, I was just talking about if she has a kind of family culture where women aren't supposed to go to school, well, then her ability to think through what the actual impact is on her children is more challenged. You know, I remember I was home with my kids for a period of time, even though I'd gotten my PhD, I just chose to stay home for a number of years because I really did feel like it was the best thing for our family and the best thing for my kids and also in line with what I wanted. But there was also a fear that because my mother had been a full-time caregiver, that even though I had a highly flexible career, I really had this sense that any hour I took away from my children, I was depriving them, right? for my own benefit. So I was kind of in that selfless, selfish, no win meaning frame. And, you know, as I started to do a little bit, I would feel kind of like I was only seeing a couple clients a week. I mean, really, literally, I was like literally spending like two hours because I had an office off of my home. But I started realizing that in fact, my kids were fine because my husband was there and loved them. And that was good for them to have the interaction with him. But I was also coming out of this work that I loved that I had so much passion for and feeling deeper appreciation for my children, happier within myself and like a better mother. Yeah. <laughs> And so now there are also times where I was getting too, I was getting more clients, you know, than I could really, and I was feeling out of balance. And there were times where I had to course correct and kind of, even though the validation was higher in the work I was doing than with my kids who could be at times thankless, right? <laughs> that I had to, you know, really think about, am I doing this in a way that I genuinely feel at peace. Is this coming from, oh, mothers shouldn't work? Or is this coming from the, I see that my kids need something more from me. Mm -hmm. So it was like kind of checking, am I, am I operating out of an assumption or am I operating out of what I can track as being important? You know, so there was often a calibration happening based on what my kids needed and what was happening within my practice. Yeah. So as couples are kind of going through this transition, how does this affect the relationship from a kind of a more emotional intimacy standpoint. And I'm going to ask you about mm -hmm. physical intimacy as well. So mm -hmm. when one partner is kind of trying to come to terms with this and figure out the balance, this emotional intimacy within the relationship kind of play into all of it? Well, it really, really depends. I mean, I think that I know in my own situation, it was the right timing for me to open my practice. I was fortunate enough to be able to do it in a way that allowed for high flexibility. And it was so much my passion that it made me love my husband more. It made me happier. It, made, you know, my husband was like, I love your work because you go away, you make money, you come back and you love me more. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, you know, I mean, that it depends on what the situation is and how much it stresses the system, right? I mean, of course, if there's a situation in which somebody feels like, look, I didn't sign on for the level that's being expected of me. And whatever endeavor the partner is engaged in is more than they genuinely thought it would be so that they have to give more or parenting alone more. Well, then of course it can have a very negative effect if it can't be renegotiated in some meaningful way. And so it really depends on how much it's asking of the partner, whether or not that was agreed to in the beginning. And also if it can be titrated based on, you know, if there's enough flexibility within the system. And even if it's like, you know what, there isn't, I have to be at work 80 hours a week for the next six months. As long as the partner 
can say, yes, I understand. It's hard, but I agree. Well, then the issues of resentment, you may not have as much time together. It may be a difficult period because of what's being asked of each person. But if you have two people that buy in, that's the most important thing. The most toxic part is resentment around I'm being asked of more of me than I actually agreed to. I think another factor can be sometimes when there are sort of traditional expectations. And if a woman were to start working and or start making more money than her husband or, you know, that that could sort of challenge a sense of who each person is in the marriage. And, you know, some couples just grow with that and they can, they can sort of expand their sense of self to accommodate any reality. Some couples, that's more of a challenge and a threat. And so there's like, let's say the woman's succeeding, but the husband is kind of trying to undermine it or, or kind of question it because he feels threatened then of course that could really take a toll on the emotional relationship. Yeah. So I teach so much of what I teach is like being able to share these dreams with each other. Like, like I think what happens a lot of times is say a a woman would be like, I want to start this business. I want to, I want to do this thing, but they're not like, they don't want to burden you know, the, the relationship or anything with it. And so they kind of, they, they burn the candle at both ends. They kind of exhaust yeah. themselves and they, they all share my dreams when I start to be a little bit successful or something. Yeah. Yeah. I have to prove that it's worth anybody making any sacrifice for before I ask anything of anyone or who am I to endeavor in this way? Because, you know, I'm not really supposed to. Right. So I definitely see people do that a lot. And I think that it's a kind of, First of all, there's like whatever traditions that they've grown up in that would say a system of family shouldn't make room for a woman's endeavors. So a lot of people are operating from that idea. But there's also a basic sense of who they are, how they are in relationship to themselves gets communicated in how much they're willing to let others make sacrifices for their development and their dreams. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. You don't want to take advantage of people, of course, but to ask for a family to be able to make sacrifices for one another, Mm -hmm. you know, like my son was on the rowing team. And so we would often, you know, make the sacrifice for lack of a better word of going and watching his meet. My husband would be traveling. And so we would make sacrifices to have him be gone for a few days. I would be putting on a presentation. The family makes sacrifices to accommodate that, Mm -hmm. that it's the flexibility that everybody can be invested in others as well as be invested in themselves for their, the sake of their own development. And that flexibility within a family is really what makes people thrive. I often am saying, you know, a good marriage makes room for two people, that two people can belong to their own development and each other. And so the more that a a couple can create that kind of flexibility, the happier they'll be. And as you say, it's not always, you know, like the husband who won't give. Oftentimes it's the woman who doesn't want to receive that because she feels anxious about asking to be accommodated or sacrifices made on her behalf. Yeah. So I love what you said so much about a family being able to sacrifice for the different endeavors of their family members. Like what are your kind of best advice or how have you seen this most effective where, where family members can model that like husband and wife model that, but also in their kids where, you know, like I have four kids and one of them has plays basketball a lot. And the little ones are like, we don't want to go to another game. Like, how do you foster that 
in a family where people are willing to sacrifice and make room for everybody to kind of develop in their own ways. But I think there's something about just naming that value, yeah. right? Your sister came to this for you. Yeah. Not because it thrilled her necessarily, but because she loves you. And so I expect you to come and support your sister in what she's doing. So, you know, kind of a naming of this fact that that's who we are as a family and that we do back one another up. And of course you can, it doesn't mean that everything every child does must be supported by all family members at all times. Of course you can, you know, have some flexibility, but I think that explicit valuing of that kind of sacrifice for the benefit of all, both to give it and to be able to receive it is a really important thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. So we talked about emotional intimacy. How about physical intimacy when you've got, you know, this changing dynamic in a relationship and, and people are leaving space to grow and change and develop? How does physical intimacy kind of play into this dynamic as well? Yeah, well, again, you know, there's a lot of factors that are at play in this. And if somebody tends to be super consumed with whatever they're creating, they could get out of balance relative to their relationship. And it's an easy thing to do. And in short spurts, that's probably tolerable because the relationship can kind of manage this is a time of a lot of sacrifice. This is a time where I'm going to be sort of background if you're the partner of the person who's who's endeavoring in some way. But I think you have to be thoughtful and careful about that because you don't want to undermine your support system. <laughs> I mean, they are there for you. You don't want to take advantage of them because it undermines you ultimately and the people that are making sacrifices on your behalf. And so some people, when they're in that creative, anxious reality, they kind of shut off their eroticism and they kind of shut off all their other pleasures because they're trying so hard to make something happen. But I think that if the more that you can kind of make space, carve out space for your marriage, for your responsibilities to others, even if you're sort of imbalanced in how much you're doing outwardly during a period of growth, that you are carving out time that is there to kind of sustain those relationships during those more intensive periods. So I think that's really important. And I think there's also, of course, there's factors that might not have anything to do with entrepreneurship, but that are really about how you're in relationship to sexuality. Are you comfortable with giving and receiving in that realm, right? And I think also, and also this issue of resentment, if resentment is a part of the marriage, given the imbalance, it can be very hard to have feelings of passion or desire in a marriage. So that's, that's always a red flag to really keep track of. Because if you're feeling resentment, it means you either need to kind of grow up and confront, look, I said yes to this, and this is hard, but it's not fair to make my partner pay for what I said I would do. Or it means, look, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and I need to renegotiate openly something that I'm not okay with and not sort of take cover in resentment. That's an easy thing to do and make your spouse pay sort of subtly, but not kind of come forward and take ownership. Oh, such a good answer. Oh, I'm <laughs> so glad I asked you that question. So what's your best advice for, for passionate entrepreneurs who are either starting or growing or, or scaling a business who are struggling to kind of find a balance between marriage, family life, and entrepreneurship? What would you, what would you tell them to kind of start with things to gauge how they're balancing things? I mean, 
It's a big question because it depends on the unique position of each person. But I think what I would maybe start with is what is it that I want to do or create? What is the thing that I'm endeavoring to do? And what's driving that desire, right? Am I out of balance? Because I have clients who just like are always, always, it's like a way of living is to always be creating, doing, adding more. And it's almost a way to get away from their relationships. So what is it that I want? And what do I think this desire is coming from? Is it something healthy? and valuable or is it something that's excessive Mm -hmm. and then you know what will it require of me and what will it require of my family because it will require something of them (laughs) and how much and am I being honest about that fact and then I would say can I have an honest conversation with my spouse about what that is and my family depending on their ages and is that something that you know especially my spouse feels good about doing and sacrificing in that direction. I can remember a documentary on Mitt Romney after he lost in 2012 that was talking about kind of that documentary was talking about how he had explicitly been in conversation with his family, knowing that this was going to ask a lot of everybody, not just him, if he ran Mm -hmm. and kind of wanting to know, is this something you all are willing to do? Because I feel good about it, but it does impact you also. And I thought that was a very good demonstration of a kind of integrity and responsibility to the group, as well as to his own endeavor and his own dream. And I think, you know, the more that we recognize uh, it's not just that I want this this does ask things of others it might be good and right to ask it because of what it is I want to create but I can't just go and take it because I want it so I think that open an honest negotiation and an honest conversation can do a lot to keep resentment from creeping in to be able to operate from a place where you are being true to your relationships while expanding into the world Yeah. So that's a great kind of final wrapping up question. Why is it important to ask for the support we need when pursuing kind of our individual dreams? And what are some effective ways to ask for more support from partners or or family members or anyone kind of involved in helping you achieve whatever this thing is? Well, I mean, I think that, first of all, you kind of can't do these things. If, if you're partnered and have children, I don't really know how you can do these things without there being an implicit support on some level. You know, just if you're going to pick up and go somewhere or be gone for the day or whatever, there is a certain amount of sacrifice that others would be making on some level for you to do this. So I think being able to, I think a lot of times men don't, they undervalue what others are doing on their behalf. And sometimes women overvalue it so that they feel almost unable to take and receive that support, right? Or like, I'm gonna do it all at night when everybody's in bed because how dare me ask for that, right? So I think that the one thing is just recognizing that that's a part of human relationships and that in balance that is good not just for the person receiving it but it's also good for the people giving it when it's in balance right I think the other thing is that if you're somebody who tends to feel unworthy of asking for support you have to look at how you're in relationship to yourself and what you're communicating about your value through what you are or are not willing to ask for and if you over-function and that you don't ever ask for support or don't allow others to give on your behalf, then I think that you will build resentment, you will overextend, and that's not good for people. It's not good for the person who's doing it, but it's also not good for others. You know, if mom is overextended, tired, depleted, doing more than her share, that doesn't make people better. That doesn't make people stronger. 
Yeah. So, you know, you may need as if you're the woman in that to kind of reconsider, do I need to ask for more so that I'm not resentful? Do I need to do less? Right. What's the right thing? But I think that understanding this is a part of all good relationships is some sacrifice for others and sacrifice for ourselves, for us, others towards us. And what's the right balance? I think that can be an important question in guiding what we what we ask for and what we give. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Dr. Finlayson. Five. Tell people where they can learn more about your programs and how they can work with you. Thank you so much for all the value you gave, because I I really think that's so much of what I'm trying to help couples and teach people how to do, because I think there is so much value in, you know, developing yourself and and being able to create. And I feel like people have ideas and and they want to put themselves out into the world and kind of do these things. And there's so many, I think, barriers and obstacles of sometimes that are self-inflicted even that we just think that we how dare us have this big dream, right? And so I think this has been really valuable for anyone who might think, I want to start a podcast or I want to start a business or maybe I want to write a book or or learn a new skill. Absolutely. And before I answer the question about where you can find more information, I would say that I think that one of the ideas that we have is if we develop ourselves, it will cost our children, that women especially have that. But in reality, if a woman doesn't develop herself, her children will often grow up feeling like they need to take care of mom. So paradoxically, because she's not attending to her own development and her own sense of self, she will like pull for the caretaking of her children in a way that often keeps the children from being able to thrive and develop their own lives and create their own meaningful, intimate relationships because they feel a sense of burden around any, anytime you love someone who doesn't develop their sense of self, it can, can often feel sort of guilty about your life moving forward if there doesn't. So there is real value to the people you love when you do what you need to sustain your own development and your own sense of self. So it's very interconnected, right? So, so where you can find more information about me is on my website, which is just my name, my last name, which is finlayson-fife.com. And on there, there are all the online courses that I do, which is a relationship course, a couple's sexual, I mean, a couple's relationship course, a couple's sexuality course a men's sexuality course, a women's sexuality course, and then a course on how you talk to your kids about sex. So lots of good, you know, that you are their self-paced courses and, and um, you know, they're good. And then you have my podcast archive, which you can access there or also get on any of the podcast platforms. And then not just I'm on Instagram, Finlayson Fife and Facebook. So, so yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for your time today. And I hope that you have a wonderful stay in Vermont. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here.